And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Scripp on the P2W Fantasy Podcast here in October of 2022, already heading into week five. I feel like this season is already flying by. Super excited about this show tonight. Um, I do this once a week. It is my starts of the week episode. And the purpose of this show is to give you non-obvious starts that will benefit your lineups by beating their projections. So I'm not just going to give you the the obvious Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey sort of starts. I'm trying to give you some suggestions uh, for guys that you might slide into your lineups that you might have been juggling before, or if you're looking for somebody that you might not have thought uh, was going to be up for a big week. Before I get into this show, as always, this podcast is partnered up with the Fantasy Points Media Group, a branch of Fantasy Points. If you play fantasy football, everything you are looking for is in one spot on fantasypoints.com. Uh, articles from some of the best analysts in the industry, advanced data sets, DFS content, projections for the week, and awesome interactive Discord media content. Sign up today using promo code P2W2248 discount. If you are tuning in, stick with me. Should be a great show here today. Let's get it. So for whatever reason, it's kind of showing up goofy on Twitter. Uh, we are live here. It'll be in people's uh, cars later on this week, hopefully, but Week five starts. So let's do a quick recap of week four and how I did. So Geno Smith was my stream, one QB stream of the week. He had a huge week. It was a big hit of mine, 31.7 fantasy points. Great. Brees Hall, 15.8 fantasy points. That was a solid play. Ramondre Stevenson, he was fine. He was above his projection, uh, but not by, by too much, but he was a fine play. Chris Olave, a solid 16.7 once again, looking great. Isaiah McKenzie, 12.1 fantasy points. He, he was off to a good start, left early, but could have been an even bigger call if he played that full game. Jerry Judy was a call of mine, solid 15.3. I did miss on Brandon Ayuk and David Njoku. I'm retired from David Njoku calls. Uh, overall, it was a really solid week. So, uh, I'm, you know, I'm happy about those guys. Uh, a lot more uh, pluses than minuses there, and we'll get straight into some of my favorite starts for this week. Keep this in mind uh, that... Today is Wednesday, so be aware of player news as they come out through the week. There might be random injuries. Some guys might be banged up and get healthy. It's important just to keep tabs on uh, the injuries as they, they come and go throughout the entire week. Some guys don't even practice throughout the entire week, and then they're good on Sunday. Some guys last minute have an injury, so uh, be aware of that. So I've been doing one QB stream of the week. And for this specific week, it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater versus the Jets. He's still just rostered as of this morning on uh, in 15% of sleeper leagues for redraft. He came in and played 61% of the snaps following the Tua exit this past week. He finished with 11.82 fantasy points, 193 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. For Denver last season, in the 11 full games he played, he averaged 16.43 fantasy points. He had five games of 19-plus fantasy points. So he had some pretty good weeks in Denver last season as a starter. The Jets are a top 10 
team in points per game given up to the quarterback position for fantasy. Lamar threw three touchdowns in them in week one. Jacoby Brissett went 22 for 27 and 229 in week two. Burrow threw for three touchdowns in week three, and they ate up Mitch and Pickett this past week. But overall, the Jets are a pretty uh, friendly team to play against for the quarterback position. So one thing I do want to point out, I talked about it before the season started when I was you know, boosting Tua because I was a big Tua guy coming into the season. But Tyreek Hill right now is the number two wide receiver in yards after the catch with 177. Jalen Waddell is number four for all wide receivers with 163. Bridgewater is thrown for a completion percentage of 66.9 in 2021, 69.1 in 2020. He just needs to get the ball into his playmaker's hands, and they'll do the rest. The Jets are tied for 18th in sacks with only eight on the year, so it's not like they are going to be getting to Teddy Bridgewater super often in this game. But again, having those two guys that provide so much after the catch and seeing Teddy Bridgewater being the the veteran that he is, who was just a starter last season in a favorable matchup. I like Teddy Bridgewater as a stream for this given week. I'm not sure to his timeline, but he's not going to be in this week. And, and I do like Teddy if you are looking for a quarterback to stream. Shifting over to the running back position. Uh, one guy that comes to mind right away, Devin Singletary versus the Steelers. So the Steelers give up the ninth most rushing yards per game and the eighth most points per game to running backs so far on the year. It looks like we will have a rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett having his first start against the best defense in the league, who are giving up the least total yards per game and the second least points per game for team scoring. This might give the Bills more of a chance to establish the run in this game, especially if they are up by a lot. And some people might chime in and say, hey, you know, James Cook's a big garbage time guy, but you know, I, I don't know when that's going to come within this game. It might be midway through the fourth when that's a thing. But I, I do like Singletary just because, you know, not just because of Kenny Pickett starting, but again, because of what the defense is giving up right now. Singletary has slowly been fighting off Zach Moss and James Cook in that committee. Looking at the snap percentage across the first four weeks, 59 to 54. So around the same range weeks one and two. And then the 73 in week three. And then the 88 in week four. That's very, very important to note. 18 total touches in week three. That was solid. 15 in week four. Not as great, but not, not bad volume there. Really big nine receiving uh, reception day. Sorry, nine receptions day in week three. He has the second most receiving yards for running backs right now and has run the most routes for running backs across the league. That's a good sign for being the running back for Josh Allen. I feel like Singletary is going to get plenty of work in this game and continue to see the majority of the snaps. It's a good matchup for what the Steelers give up in a game script that might not need Josh Allen to throw the ball 40 times in this one. So I'd be comfortable putting Devin Singletary into my starting lineup. Next running back on the list. I think I have a handful this week, but I, I feel like there's some really good matchups. So I like Jeff Wilson versus the Panthers. 73% of the snaps in week three. 66% of the snaps in week four. He's had 75 and 74 rushing yards the last two games with a touchdown last week. Volume against the, the Rams last game was solid. He had 18 carries. That's great. That's what you're looking for out of your starting running back. The Panthers give up the eighth most rushing yards per game on the year. They put up a fight against the Browns, losing by two. They lost to the Giants by three. They beat the Saints. 
The Cardinals wiped them last week. Uh, but we know that San Francisco likes to establish the run. Jeff Wilson Jr., he, he's their guy. He's top 10 in red zone touches and only has one touchdown on the year. So that is likely to change. I think that touchdown category changes in week five versus the Panthers. And I like him as a start this week to benefit your lineups. Next on the list for the running back position, I'm going to go back-to-back weeks here with Ramondre Stevenson being a call. I did that last week and went two for two on calls for Chris Alave, who was beneficial for you to start. So why not if it can help your lineup? You know, I looked at Chris Alave last week and I said, hey, I'm going to say he's the guy to start again because he was started only in about like 50, like 3% of sleeper leagues. So it wasn't like everybody was starting Chris Alave last week. Same with Ramondre Stevenson. A lot of people look and say, hey, there's two running backs in New England getting work right now. And until one of those guys is getting all the work, I don't know if I want to start those guys, which, you know, to me is a false narrative a little bit. You know, Damian Harris had one more touch last week, but Stevenson still had 18 total touches. That's solid volume. Back-to-back weeks, he's had four catches, which is huge for PPR value. He's also played 62, 62, and 55% of the snaps the last three weeks. According to Player Profiler, he is number one in juke rate and number one in evaded tackles, which is likely why he is also top 12 in both yards created and yards created per touch. Really good signs for what Ramondre Stevenson is doing so far this year with the with the snap percentages and, and what he's doing with the ball in his hands. The Lions give up the second most points per game to running backs on the year for fantasy, third most rushing yards per game. Penny just had 151 rushing yards against the Lions. Delvin Cook the week before at 96. Miles Sanders, also had 96 yards in week one. So I feel like the Patriots are a team right now that are really pushing the run, utilizing both running backs. But I do like the fact more for the Stevenson side of things that he is on the field more than Damian Harris, and he's getting the passing work. So I really like Ramondre Stevenson as a guy that you should place in your lineups against the Lions in week five. Last running back on the list, Travis Etienne versus the Texans. So another running back with a great matchup. The Texans give up the most points per game to running backs across the league for fantasy so far this year. The pushback from people will be that this is really a James Robinson suggestion. Like what you just said, Nick, about what the Texans give up, it's it's really in the favor of James Robinson. But I feel like Robinson is more widely started across fantasy leagues right now over Etienne, who has yet to score 11 fantasy points. ETN just had a higher snap percentage than James Robinson for the first time since week one in week four. The volume has not been ideal. Week three was decent, though, 16 touches. We're hoping for more of that. Only eight this past week, but that was the same for James Robinson, who ran less efficiently when he actually did run the ball. I have a feeling we're going to see that touch number take a jump back to that 15 to 18 range in this game versus the Texans in week five. The end goal of ETN, I think for most managers, was like picturing uh, the Austin Eckler of the Jaguars. Like That's what he was going to be. So seeing Austin Eckler specifically score two on the ground and one through the air last week against the Texans, I think is encouraging. And I'll call Travis ETN scores his first NFL touchdown in this game against the Texans, making him a good play for the week. All right, so that's it for the running backs. I, I usually just go with two or three guys, but for, for this podcast, I felt like there was plenty of good running backs that have solid matchups that aren't like, you know, the 
Derrick Henry and Nick Chubbs of the world that you automatically are starting in your lineup. So it's 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 fine to talk about more guys this week, just given the matchups itself. So for the wide receivers, I want to I want to mention Mike Williams here versus Cleveland. Keenan Allen continues to miss practice with a hamstring injury. We have this boom bust pattern right now with Williams, three fantasy points week one, and then just going down the line two, three, four, 25.3. 8.5, and then 19 fantasy points for the year. Two of those games, the games he did good, he had 10 targets. And I feel like this has to be more of the same if Keenan Allen misses this week. You have to ride the waves, but the upside for Mike Williams is there with 113 and 120 receiving yard days, weeks two and four. There is the potential also for Gerald Everett and Joshua Palmer to get bumps in this offense if Keenan Allen is out. There's a lot of volume to absorb. Uh, with Justin Herbert being one of the more pass-heavy quarterbacks in the league. We saw that last year. I think he was number two in passing attempts. Uh, Mike Williams, to me, isn't your wide receiver one that you're banking on every week. I know some people are juggling starting him, not starting him. Is he a flex? And I, I know some other people have voiced his inconsistency for a scoring basis. We saw last year where he was super hot and then he cooled off. But just knowing that Keenan Allen might not play, and if he does play, he might not be 100% knowing that he's already shown us this season, again, he has receiving yard upside, and then knowing Mike Williams in the past has that touchdown upside, I think that you should not juggle Mike Williams. You should place him in your lineups this week for week five. Next wide receiver on the list, Robert Woods versus the Commanders. So three straight games of four catches for Robert Woods. Even with minimal passing volume to go around last week on 21 Tannehill passing attempts. 12.5 and 13 fantasy points the last two games, 85 receiving yards in week three, a touchdown in week four. So that's a glimpse of some upside in both of those categories. So if we can put that together, have a guy that's over 80 yards and, and can score, that's that's solid for the wide receiver position. The commanders give up the third most points per game to wide receivers in our top 10 in passing yards per game given up. Traylon Burks, the rookie is doubtful in this one with a turf toe injury. He's not going to play. There's It's a small chance he plays. I might have missed while I was coaching my soccer practice uh, the, the news that he's out already. Robert Woods is the team's wide receiver one and will operate that way. The more the weeks go on, the further he is from that ACL tear recovery as well. So he was a guy we weren't sure if he was going to start week one. He did. He was out there playing. And, you know, he's been pretty good without having massive volume. So I think with no Burks, you know, you might see Kyle Phillips, the other rookie, get a little bit of a bump. Maybe Austin Hoover finally gets some volume. I know it's going to be Robert Woods that should get the volume versus the commanders. And it's a good matchup for wide receivers. And he's not a guy that everybody is just universally starting in their lineup. So I do like Robert Woods to beat his projection in week five. Another guy I want to mention is Tyler Lockett versus the Saints. So the Saints have only given up two receiving touchdowns on the year. And Marshawn Lattimore will be the name always thrown around for covering wide receivers. But if he's matching up with somebody, I would guess it would, you know, it would be DK Metcalf over Tyler Lockett. Lockett right now is number six in receptions on the year with 27 and four games. Lines up with him being the number two or number two in target separation via player profiler. So Top six, top seven wide receiver in targets, number two in target separation. So he's getting open and he's getting targets. Just simple math right there. 
19.7, and 13.1 fantasy points the last three games. He's been a fine flex all year, and he has had two of his four games with 11 targets from Geno Smith, who has been playing well. Their chemistry is evident. More of a plug here because I think we don't look at volume and we focus in on quote-unquote tough matchups sometimes instead of going with a guy like Lockett. So some people people might look at the matchup and say, ah, tougher matchup with the Saints, I might pivot off of Lockett. But there's too many encouraging things right now going in his favor, the connection with Geno Smith, solid targeted days, number six in receptions, and then um, just him in general producing fantasy points so far that I feel like we have to kind of push aside like, hey, maybe it's not the best matchup and just roll with Tyler Lockett, who I think has been solid so far this season. So the next two on my list for the wide receiver position, I'll, I'll say in advance, are more of dart throw flexes. You know, you you have some injuries going on right now. You're looking at the waiver wire. Uh, you might have one or two of these guys in your team and, and you don't have much depth, but these are not like clear cut. They must be started. It's more of like, who else are you juggling that you can potentially play one of these two guys? First guy's going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns versus the Chargers. So again, dart throw flex with upside. If you are looking sandwich of how his targets look. So only four total combining, uh, only four total targets combined from weeks two and three. That's in the middle. So not the great stuff on the outsides. Maybe the bun's super good. This is some weird sandwich where whatever's in the middle is not good. The bun's good. Week one, week four, he had 11 targets from Jacoby Brissett. Both of those were 12 point fantasy days. So not like lightning, but if you were to score in one of those games, it would have been a huge week. He's number eight right now in targets per route run. We would definitely like his route participation to take a big bump just across the board and be more consistent weekly. That way, I feel like we'll have more of those days with some some good targets. Maybe it's not always 11 like he's seen twice now, but I feel like if if um, he does participate on more routes, uh, then, then we'll see him be a more consistent part of this offense. But I think there's a chance he, he does that this week, especially seeing that just last week he had one of his better targeted days. With Justin Herbert being number four in passing attempts and the Chargers being a quality offense, I think we see more of the targeted versus not targeted Donovan Peoples-Jones in this game. He's a receiver with receiving yard upside. The Chargers are also top 10 in points per game given up to wide receivers. He's a flex with caution, always dependent on who you are juggling. I just like the two weeks where he was seeing over 10 targets. Obviously, Amari Cooper is the one, but this game is going to need to feature more than just Amari Cooper, who struggled last week. So, dart throw flex play, Donovan Peoples-Jones. The last wide receiver on the list here, again, bit of a, another flex versus wide receiver, you know, clear-cut starter here. Uh, depending on who you have, but there are signs in his favor. Michael Gallup versus the Rams. First game back from injury, and Gallup scored a touchdown, playing 64% of the snaps. This came from only two catches for 24 yards. But that's not a bad entrance into the season, right? He played 64% of the snaps. Not like he was only out there for, you know, a quarter of them. And then he went out and scored a touchdown. Noah Brown has been operating as the wide receiver two in Gallup's absence. He is currently questionable right now. But even if both play, I think we are on the same page that over time, Gallup is going to take over that wide receiver two job for Dallas. 
The Rams right now are giving up the second most points per game, the wide receivers. I think it's, you know, pretty evident that it's probably a passing game when you play the Rams anyways. You know, I'm sure Ramsey will be eyeing up C.D. Lamb in this one specifically. I like Gallup to step, step into his second game and see more of the snaps and more of the target share in this one. So flex play potential here, Michael Gallup. Last, we'll go to the tight end positions here. And uh, got a comment here. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, seeing it late. Seahawks offense trending up the last two weeks with the commitment to a faster pace. Should certainly be more shootouts in the near future. That's from my guy, Ben Ebby. Really like that comment and lines up with uh, my suggestion earlier for Tyler Lockett. So appreciate that, Ben. That's it's a it's a good point there. So let's shift to the tight ends of the week. So I wrote this out pretty early today, and then out of nowhere we see that Kyle Pitts did not practice on Wednesday with the hamstring injury. So now we have to monitor this. I have so much Kyle Pitts that I'm going to be keeping a close eye. I'm going to be at my brother's wedding on Saturday. And just, you know, have the, the phone next to me just to see if Kyle Pitts' name um, is going to pop up on my screen with some sort of news. But uh, not not an ideal start for Kyle Pitts. Tight end 18, averaging 6.3 fantasy points so far this season. I'm listing this because many have voiced their concerns with, with starting him. And, and I get it. I get it. He hasn't been great. Week three at 13.7 fantasy points. That's the only week that he could have helped you at all. And I still think we have a higher expectation from Pitts than that. One of the biggest issues when it comes to volume uh, in this offense is the last three weeks, 26, 20, and 19 passing attempts from Marcus Mariota. And you're saying, why? Well, the game script has not been in the push the ball down the field favor for the Falcons. 27 to 26 loss to the Saints week one. 31 to 27 loss to the Rams in week two. They beat the Seahawks 27 to 23 in week three. They beat the Browns in week four, 23 to 20. These are all very close games. The Falcons chasing games might be what's best for Kyle Pitts. The Bucs are the number are number four in points per game given up to the tight end position on the year for fantasy. We probably look at, at the uh at Pitts as more of a wide receiver over a tight end, but still it's a stat important to know. Uh math here. So if we are forced into more passing volume versus the Buccaneers this weekend. And we have a tight end showing the potential for big upside outside of just his freak athletic traits that should equal a good day. So here's some some good signs for upside for Kyle Pitts. He's number one in the average depth of his target for tight ends, 15.1 yards, solid. Number two in air yards with 333. So that's the distance the ball is traveling in the air. Number two in deep targets with six on the year. That's all via player profiler. So knowing he's a freak athlete of a tight end and knowing that he has deep targets, the air yards are really there. Uh, he's targeted deep in general for big plays. He's a big play tight end. He's a tight end with receiving yard upside. I'm just hoping that for his sake, that one, he's healthy. So pay attention to that. And number two, that the Falcons start chasing games a little bit more because it's, it's going to be more in his favor with more passing volume just in general for the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm for starting Kyle Pitts still in your lineup if he is healthy and ready to go. Next tight end I want to mention, Logan Thomas versus the Titans. So Jahan Dotson, my guy, my guy, will miss the next one to two weeks. Love Dotson. He has seen Dotson five, five, and eight targets 
through three weeks, and he had four this past week before he exited. He didn't play the full game. So that means more targets to go around with a lot of focus on Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, according to just the reactions I've been reading up on, you know, on Twitter and, and you know, some articles. Logan Thomas himself has had two games of six targets. He scored in week two. He's number seven in routes run for the tight end position. He's also top 10 in air yards, deep targets, and red zone targets. So there's some upside potential there with the potential for more volume this week without Dotson. The Titans are top 10 in points per game given up to the tight end position. So good matchup. They're missing a guy who is getting some okay targets. And then Logan Thomas has some, some categories he's hitting that shows he can have some upside. So I do like Logan Thomas if you are looking for a tight end this week. And then the last guy I want to mention, Cameron Brait versus the Falcons. So the thing is with Brady, has to pass the concussion protocol, so I might be wasting my time right now talking about him. It's more of a deeper league streamer, or if you are completely desperate and don't have anybody to start for the tight end position, um, maybe he's a guy you can take a look at. But he was not at practice Wednesday. And again, he has to go through the, the concussion protocol and pass everything. So don't run and grab him right now. But if come Sunday they say he's good to go, I I, I take a look at Cameron Bray just because I, I, I see the Falcons are giving up uh, the third most points per game to the tight end position for one. And then for two, he had eight targets last week from Tom Brady. So obviously Tom Brady has a history with tight ends with Rob Gronkowski, who is not, you know, Cameron Brace not comparable there, but good targets for him. It's a good matchup. He's a he's a deeper guy to take a look at if you are looking. So that'll do it for this week's start uh, starts of the week. Again, last week was was really solid. I, I hit a lot on some guys that were not just obvious starts of the week. Uh, it's kind of early, and I'm sure there will be some guys that pop up uh, on my mind that I, I think are great starts. So just check out the Twitter feed. I'm posting on there all the time. Um, different uh, suggestions, stats, and, 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 and opinions going into the week. But feel free to shoot me a question at any time. Make sure if you watch this, uh, you do subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume it. So on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, it'll always be live on Twitter. Hopefully Twitter clears up uh, their issues. But thank you guys for tuning in. Let's keep grinding, get those dubs, and uh, have a good week.